Yo, what's up, y'all? Welcome to Men Thrive, where we're pushing to have men show up whole, operate in joy, and live with power. I'm, I'm super excited about this episode. Y'all don't even know what you're getting ready to be in for. What's crazy is with, with this show is that there's no kind of formula for me to get guests. It's like I know so many dope brothers that I just got to remember that I want to ask them to be on the show. Uh, and and I'm, I trip sometimes because I don't need to have some talent exec run out and try to find cats for me to have conversations with that don't really want to have the kind of conversations that we doing in Men Thrive anyway. My tribe is so ridiculous that every single day I have a conversation, I end up being like, yo, man, I, f- I forgot to ask you, you want to do the show? And, and so this is one of those moments. Uh, I met this brother uh, almost two years ago at a conference that uh, Big Brother Lewis Carr was hosting in Chicago for men. And he was one of the, the, the I don't even, I don't even, Taylor is just not a big enough word for him. He was one of the curators of exquisite brilliance that brothers had the ability to decide if they wanted to connect with. And I, I, without sounding arrogant, I mean, I, I think he peeped my flavor because, uh, you know, we do that as men, whether we want to admit it or not. Um, I immediately saw his and was like, why in the hell do I not have some of his clothes? And the rest was history in, in, in perfect in, in my perfect state. I took too long to reach out. So I was a year late in being able to, to embrace some of this brilliance. Uh, but the universe is perfect and the timing was perfect. And not only am I a consumer of this brother's unbelievable market gift, uh, I am blessed uh, to call this brother friend and I'm excited about how the universe is, is leading us as men in connecting. And so uh, some of you know him. Uh, if you might, you might even be on Instagram and don't even realize you know him because some of the people you love to follow uh, wear his stuff. And so he is a curator of brilliant uh, elegance. He is a innovator. He is an entrepreneur. He is a visionary. He is a weed connoisseur. He is a brother who understands what fine automobiles are. He knows how to move through life with a level that, and we're going to get to this with, and, and I don't even know if he knows that I've coined this term for him with a level of Southern ratchet cultural exquisiteness that is so naturally him that if you if you confused, you just think this nigga's a Martian. And so it's <laughs> <laughs> so it's so good to have my man Rich Fresh on the show. Fresh, what's happening, brother? What's good with you, man? How are you, bro? Man, I'm I'm awesome, brother. And 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 I really am like like Castle hear me introduce brothers on this show and they think that I'm trying to blow smoke. It's like, no, this is like legitimate brotherly admiration. And I get so tired of us n- not being excited about each other. Straight up. Like, listen, I, I, I want to be like a like a ring announcer at a fight every time I'm introducing <laughs> my friends to each other. <laughs> I'm, I'm, because it's so brilliant. But but I'm I'm listen, man, I'm let me just start with this, because I think that whether you're in the entertainment business or the fashion business or 
uh, whatever it is you do, people make all kind of assumptions before you even show up based on where you currently are. And so based on your current IG, I know there's things that people think about you um, that that are totally and completely off base. I just want to know how a young cat from Memphis decides he wants to take his grandmother's sewing machine, teach himself to sew in a cultural space where that ain't the hot shit. So at that point in time, I wasn't even in Memphis yet. We were in we were in Little Rock, so mm. I was still in Little Rock, and it was my mom's sewing machine. Um, but it was just it was like an old ass machine. It was just in the case. I had never even seen it out of the case. It was just always this this pale yellow plastic case in the laundry room. Um, but yeah, so historically, man, like my story is amazing. Um, I was the worst dressed kid at my middle school. <laughs> I was the worst dressed. I was the second worst dressed kid. There was one kid that was worse dressed than me. And he had really thick Coke bottle glasses. So, you know, he won first place in that category. But I was bad, man. Like I dressed like, I was in middle school, man, dressing like a, like a, eight-year-old like my parents just didn't understand i was the first kid so i was like the guinea pig you know it was just it was a terrible time existing in middle school because kids you know kids had kids were coming to school in jordan's i'm coming mm-hmm. to school in like buddies you know what i'm saying like <laughs> shoes that look like jordan but they're not jordan's it's like you know like you setting me up to get fucked with all day but um i tutored this cheerleader who you know i always I've always had good taste. I always knew like that I dressed bad. I just couldn't do nothing about it. But I always had good taste and I always looked at the prettiest girls and I always, you know, I always looked at the prettiest cars. And so this one girl, she was a cheerleader and she was like the it girl. And I was fascinated with her, like how someone becomes the it person. Mm. And um, I ended up tutoring her. And while I'm tutoring her, you know, everyone th- thought that I had this big crush on her because I was always focused on her. But it was more like I was fascinated with her being the it girl. Like, you. I don't know what your life is like at home, but here at school, you're the it girl. That's fascinating. What did you do to become the one person that's the it girl? I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And she was pretty. So I was like, look, I just want to let you know, like, this this idea of me and you and shit, that's not going to happen. Like, that's not what I'm about. I think you're really cool. You're really nice to me, you know. So I just want to get that out. And I was like, but check it out. You have some information that I need, and I have some information that you need. I don't understand girls. I don't understand what girls like. Um, you are the it girl. What does it take? What would it take hypothetically for a guy like me? to get a girl like you, like the it girl. What would it, you know? And so she was just like, okay, cool. Let me, let's do this. <laughs> and you know, like I was a math whiz, you know, I was like, man, I was in all these contests and shit. And I was on like college level math. So I was like, I'm gonna get you super straight. Just really help me out with this. And, um, uh, her name is Tamra, uh, Tamra Harden. Her name was Tamra Futura, Tamra Harden now. Um, and uh, so, yeah, she just ran down this list of, like, all these things that girls like. Like, you know, they like guys who are athletic, like guys who are, like, badasses, that drive, that this. Just all these things that, like, teenage girls like. Right. And, um, 
And I, I failed it all of them. I couldn't do none of them. And so it was our last session. And, you know. <laughs> so, no, no, wait. Wait, so th these were legitimate sessions? Oh, no, these were legit sessions. Like, we, were, we, we had, like, I think two sessions a week for, I think, four weeks. And so during this time, I tried out for football team. I tried out for all these different sports teams. I did everything that she said girls like. Um, and I couldn't maintain any of them. Like, my parents wouldn't let me play football. I was out. Uh, and so it was literally the last day of our session. And I was pretty bummed because I didn't gain anything from the session. I was still the same motherfucker that I was when it started. But she got what she needed. And so she was like, you know, to be honest with you, girls talk about you every now and then. Like, you could be cute, but you just dress so bad. I think if you dress better, I think girls will like you. I was like, and that's it? She's like, actually, yeah, I think, you know, you're really smart. I think girls even like that, and you're shy, you're quiet. That's fine. But if you dressed really nice, I think all the girls would like you. And you have to cut your hair. And I was like, because like my hair was just like, whatever. And I was like, uh, like, well, what's that called? And she was like, it's called fashion. And I was like, okay, well, let me look into this fashion thing. And I went to the library and I, um, I looked up fashion and the, the, you know, the, 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 the index. And the only thing that was there was... Um, <clears throat> It was two biographies. It was a Ralph Lauren biography and a Calvin Klein biography. I started reading the Ralph Lauren biography and it bored the shit out of me. So I stopped reading it. Mm. I picked up the Calvin Klein biography and it was like exciting. I was like, holy what, shit. What bored you about? Was it just the way it was written? Or was yeah, it? Yeah, I think, yeah, it was just the way it was written. Um, it just, it, it, it didn't, I didn't see enough of a, of a, of a, of a contrast. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't um, a big enough climb from adversity to something. With Calvin Klein, it was like he was a figure. He was this rock star-esque figure. All, you know, he was just different. He was edgier. Um, and at the time, like, I don't know, you know, his ads were edgier. Mm -hmm. So I read his. And in his, it said that um, his very first runway collection, he and his production partner, they sold all the pieces for their first runway collection, which we now know runway collections be shitty quality. It doesn't have to be good quality. It just yeah. needs to showcase so what an idea really could be. wearing it anyway. It's just for the models to be able it's to just for the models. It's, it's tear apart. But in my 13-year-old mind, I'm thinking, oh, that's how he did it. He makes all these clothes. So Calvin Klein can actually make the clothes so he can guarantee that he can always be the best dressed. That's fucking genius. <laughs> so all I need to do is learn how to make the clothes and then I can always make sure that I look the way I want to look. I was like, okay, cool. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn how to make clothes. I'm going to learn how to sell. It was 13. So wait, man. No, 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 no. Cause, cause, cause like you, you tell that story like it ain't shit because it's your story. But like what I want to know is at 13, did you know you were a scientist? Uh, yeah, well, I, I knew I was different for sure. No, but I'm serious. Um, I'm I'm serious, fresh, because it's it's like th that was a that was a literal science project. That was yeah. how do I begin to do this research? Here's my petri dish. 
here's where I'm beginning to do these experiments to see if this works or if this works. None of this oh, works. Yeah. I get the final oh, piece of, of information and then I then I go to research further and now I employ this and the shit works. Like that's some science shit. I'll tell you how it actually went down. So it started, you know, at first it was just like being a kid, like, okay, just being a curious kid. And, you know, I like doing things. I was really artistic and I thought it would be cool. And, you know, I used to draw clothes all the time. So I was like, whatever, let's try it. And I found a sewing machine, but then I was like, how the fuck do you, and I, like, I couldn't ask anyone for help because my, my dad was military, super macho. He did not want me sewing. It would not have gone down. So I couldn't tell anyone in the house. I couldn't tell anyone, period. So I just had to like figure out how to thread it, how to do the whole thing. And um, I was just able to see it and like see the mechanics of it and figure it out. Like like to this day, I can hop on any sewing machine. I don't, I don't give a fuck what machine it is and I can use it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so then it became kind of like a thing like, oh shit. So I got the secret and I could actually become good at this one day. And then I can be like, and I kept it a secret the whole time. So I was still being a weird kid. But then, so I'm, I'm 13 years old. I'm figuring out this sewing thing. I'm paying more attention to the way I dress, the way I present myself. And, um, you know, I'm wearing my friend's clothes and shit. But I'm just trying to figure it out. But I still have this stigma of, you know, the nerdy, quiet kid. So, you know, I used to stutter. Um, I had braces and shit. So I, I just, I had a lot of stigmas um, hovering over, you know, my image and my, and my self-image as well. And so when I was 15, um, my dad got a new job. He got a new territory. He was in pharmaceutical sales. So he got the Memphis territory. And so out of nowhere, we get... Um, pulled from Little Rock to Memphis. And I remember being in the car in Little Rock thinking to myself, damn, I finally figured it out. And now, and now you're moving. I got to go somewhere new. <laughs> and a voice spoke to me and said, this may be the best thing that ever happens to you. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do a little experiment. You're going somewhere where no one's ever seen you. No one knows who you are. You know what you're coming from. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and the voice is like, you know where you're coming from, but no one else knows, you know, what you've had to overcome. You know, what do you want people to see? And I was like, you know, I want people to see, I want people to see me as an overly confident teenager because I had always been incredibly insecure. And I was like, I want to be an overly confident teenager. Like, I, I want that to be my brand. And um, I got to Memphis. I worked two jobs. I spent all my money on clothes. I made sure they were the best. I got my hair cut. My waves started coming in. You know, I started paying attention to people who have really cool swag and were very confident. I just like seeing the way that they conduct themselves. And I just basically, I just evolved into the, this vision that I had in my head of this kid who had all the girls. He was the coolest kid in the school, but he was the smartest kid in the school. And he was just like, he was him. He was the guy. And my, my very first day in school, I remember, I, I mean, I remember the outfit, but I just remember like 
I remember everything about it, the swag, just the way I held my backpack, the way I walked, the way the way everyone looked and was like, what the fuck? I was so fresh. And just my vibe was just so different. And then like, I was chill and I was a, a black kid and this it was a pretty white school, but it was black kids there too. But I was like in all the smart classes. He was like, whoa, talking about this nigga smart? And he dressed like this? Like, what, is this nigga rich or something? They, they all thought I was rich, you know? And like, we lived in a cooler area. So, um, you know, just, I became the exact opposite of what I had always been. Because like in my brain, I said, I want to I wanna try something different, you know? I want to try something different and I'm, I'm willing to stick to it long enough for it to come to fruition, <clears throat> which, you know, that's kind of been, that's been the story of, of, of my life. You know, by the time I graduated high school, you know, man, I was so confident and I, and I had become so confident that I was helping other people gain confidence. Like it would be other kids at school that I saw lack confidence. And I was like, Hey man, come shopping with me this weekend. I'm going to show you some things. You know, I helped my brother out with his confidence. But, but let me let me ask you this, Fresh. Like, because I, I'm I'm loving what I'm hearing you say because you you literally made a decision that you were gonna confront all of this stuff that was holding you back. But but oh, the yeah. question that I'm interested in is how did you how did you know it was you? Like, be, because if if you're in this place where you're like, okay, I know that this is going to give me the girls. I know that this is going to have people looking at me and you're constructing this brand. How did, how did you, how did you, I guess my question is there's, there's a place where you're constructing this in order to not be what you were before. At what point did you really realize this is just me? I didn't know it before. Cause, cause you could go right. two different directions with that, right? You could create this, this alter ego that mm-hmm. is actually not who you are at all and spend the rest of your life acting like this dude who ain't you, or right. you can find yourself in the midst of this construction. And I'm wondering like for you, what was the pathway? Because as, as a kid, it'd be so easy to just do whatever I can do to be accepted that I actually right. lose myself in the process. So I'm, I'm wondering where that was for you. Um, you know, I, I think a big part of the balance was I didn't change anything about myself except for the way I dressed. Like I just, I didn't have any clothes that were not Tommy Hilfiger polo. All my shit was like amazing shit. I just, I worked jobs throughout high school and I made sure that I could always afford nice clothes. Um, cause I understood that like that was part of the branding. Like I didn't, cause I didn't want to have to change who I was. I didn't want to have to change the way I spoke, you know, like I, I'm, I'm, I, I used to be really articulate. I didn't want to have to change that. Like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to keep being who I am. I'm just going to make sure I get my hair cut twice a week. Well, and that's why and I asked, because I, I didn't want people to feel like, OK, this nigga just created a whole alter ego and wasn't even himself. Because because we know in this day and age is people who do that on a regular oh, yeah. basis. It's stupid shit. They tattoo their face like, oh, like goofy shit. No, I just became... The part that I, that I wasn't was the confident. You know, I've always been smart. I've always been a cool kid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, people who got to know me, like, oh, man, that dude, he's actually really cool. It's just he dresses like shit, so niggas be fucking with him all the time. And he's, you know, I used to be short. 
Uh, like I, I, I grew on summer like four inches, but I used to be little and I dressed bad and I had big ass feet. Um, so I was tripping and shit and my hair was never cut right. So um, I, I had really low self-esteem and that was the thing that I had to overcome. Like, you know, I had to, I had to know like if people are looking at me, they're looking at me in favor, not in a different way. They're not looking for something. They're looking at me in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If someone's laughing, they're not laughing at me. They're laughing with me. I just had to go to a different place in my head. And part of that was I had to, I had to wear the clothes of that person. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, if I want to be a motherfucking ninja, I should probably wear ninja clothes. I bet I'll, I'll bet I'll move different throughout the day. If I wear ninja clothes, I'll probably jump up on the wall every now and then, mm-hmm. you know? <clears throat> um, and I just realized, like, if I wear the clothes of someone who would be overly confident and would have all the girls, then perhaps I don't end up being my reality. And I just put the clothes on. It's like I put on the uniform of this person. And um, all of that reality just got attracted to me. I knew how powerful this fashion thing was because it, complete, it, com- it, com- it created a whole new person instantly. It didn't even take no time. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, oh man, as soon as I get muscles, then I'll be the man. No, this is instant. And I was like, yo, this is magic. I want to do this shit for the rest of my life. I want to do this for other people. You know what I'm saying? And like, I had a gang of scholarships that came in. Stanford, Howard, Clark. I had Rhodes. I had so many scholarships and all I wanted to do was fashion. So I turned every single one of them down. And I was like, I got I to gotta figure out how to do this fashion thing. Well, so let me ask you this, man, because I, I think there's a lot of brothers, especially some younger ones that are trying to figure out how do they, how do they learn to walk into their gift. And until this time, you're saying this was a secret. So when, 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 did, when did the secret come out of the bag? Because you can't say, uh, I'm not going to go to Stanford. I'm not going to go to Rhodes. I'm not going to go to Howard. Well, it came out when I was 18. Yeah, like, <clears throat> um, so when I was 18, uh, I told my parents I was going to take a home ec class. And they were like, for what? I was like, because ah, I can't take any more math. Like, I'm out of math and there's nothing else for me to take, so I'm going to take home ec. Um, and uh, it was a sewing class. Our teacher ended up getting sick and had to leave. We had a substitute, but the substitute couldn't sew. So I had to demonstrate for six weeks. (laughs) I was the person that had to do all the sewing demonstration because I could sew the best in the class. And so, you know, everyone at school at that point was like, oh, damn, this nigga can sew. But it wasn't like a thing. It wasn't like, ah, this guy, it wasn't ever a thing. It was just like, oh, damn, this nigga can sew. So, um, I told my parents, I'm like, hey, so, um, you know, I've been sewing this whole time. I've been sewing since I was, like, 13. Um, I took your machine, mom, thanks. Um, and I really like this fashion thing. I really think I can be good at it. And I think I can figure this out. I can figure out a way to make a lot of money with it one day. But fashion did something really important for me, and I just I feel a debt of gratitude, like, to figure out how to do this for other people. So I want to study fashion. And they looked at me like I had just said, no, they're like, well, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, I want to study fashion. Like, they don't have fashion in these schools. I know, I, I don't want to go to these schools. 
boy, what the fuck are you talking about? You got mm. full rides from some of the best schools in the country, and you don't want to. You want to study fashion? Are you high? I was like, nah. Especially when I, you got this black boy who's excelled in math, who clearly yeah. can compete intellectually, yeah. and you want to do this. You want to. You want to do this frivolous stuff. They. They. That. That's exactly what they thought it was. Um, and um, and they were not pleased. You know what I'm saying, but. Um, you know, I, I just told him, like, I really think I can do something great. Like I've seen, cause you know, I had kind of seen this, I had seen this vision of myself when I was a kid and it was more, it was this rock star vision. And I always told myself that was kind of the life I wanted. I saw two parallels. I saw like, two parallel realities. One that was more like, it was more like my dad. Mm-hmm. He was clean cut, nice house, nice family. And I saw this other one that was like some rock star shit. And I always thought, like, I'd never seen them like that. So, you know, I didn't want to do anything conventional. I, in my mind, I knew I didn't want to do anything conventional. And I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I was like, you know, yeah, I could go to college, but shit, you know, I'm going to go to college and learn how to get a job. Like, I, I, want, to, I want to learn how to make clothes, how to design clothes. Because I got, I got a taste level. I think I could design clothes that people would wear. And um, they, we got into a big falling out, and uh, I refused. I refused to sign any of my scholarship papers, and then I got accepted to um, Atlanta uh, Institute of Art or something. They had a fashion program, and I got accepted there. And they gave me a, a partial ride. They gave me fifty um, percent scholarship, and uh, my parents. My dad in particular was like, oh, we ain't signing that. (laughs) (laughs) You ain't doing that one, Jack. And so we just had this big standoff. And then the deadlines passed, and I lost all the scholarships. And school started, and all my friends were going off to school, and I was still at the house. Um, Wow. And uh, for like three weeks. And, you know, me and my dad weren't really talking. and and my mom was like, yo, you got you to gotta do something about this. Like, you got to do something. She's like, just go to U of M and, you know, see if they let you on, you know, or sign for it, whatever. But, like, you got to do something. At least go there until you can figure out what you're going to do next. So I went. I showed them my transcripts. They ended up giving me a scholarship. So I was able to get, you know, full ride, you know, room and board. So I was able to move out of my parents' house, um, but I hated I hated school. You know what I'm saying? Like, because mm-hmm. I knew that that's not what I want to do. And so I failed both semesters, and I dropped out. And I just like I'm gonna figure out this fashion thing. And I just I did it the hard way. You know, I never went to fashion school. I never saw a fashion book. I never went to tailoring school. I just knew how to sew, and I figured I can make money. I can make more money in Memphis being a tailor than being a fashion designer because more people mm-hmm. needed shit altered mm-hmm. than needed shit made. And that oh, was and, just and you, were, you, you were extending your ability to help redefine people's looks. Oh, absolutely. Because for you, you were, you, you were really selling, yo, you might have some dope clothes, but the way you wear them is terrible. And let me help you take your look to another level without you having to buy anything new. I did that for, um, 
shit, 19, no, I did that for, for, for like 17 years. You know, I was a tailor. That's what I did. Like, that's what I was known in Memphis for. I was the guy you could take your shit to. And, I, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm a perfectionist, like, by nature. So your shit is going to look on point. Like, I was so flawless. Um, but I was still broke. Well, I listen, was always man, so a, broke. It's a long-ass leap from tailoring people's clothes in Memphis to having a year where you got the Wade family wearing your stuff, Lena Waithe wearing your stuff, <laughs> you on red carpets, people wearing your stuff. The weekend. And then, and then just for shits and giggles, you decide to create an entire designer line of masks in the midst of COVID. So, so like there's a, there's a big gap there. What, what, what was the moment where you decided tailoring for you is not the vision? I wasn't even really popping on IG, but I, I bumped into someone. Um, Cause you know, I used to work at the Beverly center. I think I bumped into someone and they knew I could do alterations and they just reached out to me and I came through mm. and you know, good word spreads real quick in LA. You know what I'm saying? So real quick, I was like a go-to and I didn't have an agent or nobody. I was just getting phone calls and that's how I ate. I mean, even though I was broke half the time, but that's how I would eat. You know what I'm saying? Like people would hit me. Um, cause I'm not really for the going out, trying to scoop up clients people are just reaching out and I'm, I'm getting this work. So um, I start building that up and I'm charging more. Like I'm charging $40 for him. Like I'm really going for the gusto because mm -hmm. I'm really good. And people are like really relying on me because I can get it done quick. And then one day um, I just got tired of fixing other people's shit. I was like, you know, I'm, I can make clothes. Why the fuck am I making other people's shit look the way my shit should look? Why don't I just make my shit? And it was uh, probably 2017. Um, and uh, I remember because I, I was doing a lot of work with The weekend. Like, I, I used to do alterations for The weekend before I started making his clothes. He didn't even realize I was the same person. It's the creepiest <laughs> shit. I fucking saw him to deliver a suit and he was like, I was telling him about some shit and he was like, what the fuck, we've met before? I'm like, yes, nigga. I, I altered your shit for years, bro. Well, for, for like a year. Um, but one day, you know, his stylist hit me and I was like, I can't do this anymore, man. I, I can't keep doing alterations. Like, bro, I can make the clothes, bro. Like, I need people to give me an opportunity to do what I do. I can, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, amazing tailor and i'm a designer i got amazing style and no one was really willing to do that so people started like withdrawing and they just started mm. taking the business and um yeah i wish i could say that was like all right cool bet let's do it but they wasn't um and so it just i'm very hard-headed once i'm stuck on an ideal i just don't shift from it and I literally, I just went broke. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to wait until someone takes me serious. Wow. I'm not doing a more alteration. You and I were talking before we started recording the show about this whole notion of metaphysics and, and really believing that something is possible and making it happen. I mean, it didn't sound like that was something you studied. Who, who told you that when you started believing something, it was going to happen? Because the thread that I keep hearing for you is that 
I just refused to believe that the way things were was the way they had to be. And yeah. damn it, I'm going to change it because I'm going to create what I want the reality to be and then walk into it as opposed to hope that this reality happens and somebody gives it to me. Right. Um, you know, my dad was real. My dad was a real like metaphysical type dude. Like he had all the books, um, you know, all the, you know, how to better yourself, how to master your mind. Um, the, you know, the Jim Rohn's, uh, mm -hmm. uh, shit, the, um, the Napoleon Hill. And, you know, I would always see these books and, you know, I thought my dad was like the smartest person ever. So, you know, I like reading that type of shit. So I would read those books. I started reading Tony Robbins. When I was like a teenager. Um, and, uh, so I, I always had this little echo in the back of my mind. that was always like, you're greater than this. You know, when I was at, at my low, because I've been in some lows. Um, but, you know, like I read The Secret. Like I've always been into bettering myself because I knew I always wanted to be a rich and successful person my entire life. That's all I've ever wanted to be. And I knew that it takes a certain character uh, of self to get there. And I didn't go to the military. I knew I lacked discipline in a lot of areas. I didn't go to college, really. And I was like, man. I'm not going to just get there because I want to be there. I have to learn certain things. So these are the only types of books I would read. But they didn't really sink in until I was homeless this last period. Um, and that's because, you know, I was still able to pay my phone bill. I always made sure I had my phone bill paid. Um, but um, I could not sleep at night because... You know, there's this room that, that you sleep in and they, it's just like a yoga mat. Like you basically sleep on a yoga mat mm -hmm. and you're like arms length away from someone else sleeping right next to you. And the motherfuckers snore like like wild animals, like some shit you ain't never heard before. Like, God damn, do you really snore like this, nigga? Like, are you, are you serious? Like, I couldn't sleep. I could, I, like, I could not sleep. Like, I can't sleep with that kind of noise. And so... um. You know, I was like, yo, this is fucked up. So I had to like go to others, find other spaces and like just sit up. And, you know, I was like, I need something to kind of like lull me to sleep. So I would download audiobooks, and I would download. The first one I downloaded was Think and Grow Rich. Mm. And I was like, I'm just going to listen to this. And Napoleon Hill, he's got a weird voice. Um, and I think it was narrated by him. So, you know, I was just able to listen to it. And I just went to sleep listening to it. And mind you, I was homeless for three months. So within three months, I listened to Think and Grow Rich. Um, there's this other thing that uh, um, Earl Nightingale, it's called The Strangest Secret. And um, there was another one. Uh, after Think and Grow Rich is um, The Habits of, oh shit, I can't think of the name of it. But there was another one. Oh, but I was just listening to this. Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Not, not that one. It's um. I'll think of it. I'll think it'll come to me while we're talking. But um, I was just listening to this shit over and over and over and over and over. Every now and then, I would download, you know, Tony Robbins audio book, and I would just listen to it because I had to listen to something every night when I went to sleep. I cannot go to sleep without having my earbuds in my ears because of the snoring. Um but it just kept reaffirming certain things. And I was having these 
vivid dreams of like a different reality where, you know, I had it and I was the person and I, I actually had found success and I was happy and, you know, all these things. And um, when I would wake up, like, you know, I would just have this renewed sense of like purpose and optimism, like, huh, I don't feel desolate. You know what I'm mm. saying? I don't feel hopeless mm. like I did yesterday. And then at a certain point, um, you know, I was chasing this dude down for money. And that's, you know, that's like one of the big reasons that I physically ended up being homeless is because, you know, someone beat me out of some money and I put all my money up expecting to be paid for something. And this rich client beat me out of my money and I, I didn't have the money and then I didn't have anyone to fall back on. Um, so, you know, I just had to resort to the shelter. Um, but I spent a lot of time being angry at this person who wasn't paying me. And then one day it was just like, you know what? Bro, the story would not be the way it's supposed to be if this nigga pay you. It's supposed to be mm. you. If this dude does it, then he is your God. He is the reason that you got out of this. Wow. You have to be the reason that you got out of this. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, it can't be him. It's got to be you. It's got to be God. It's got to be that. You got to see it in your mind. What reality do you want to project yourself to? You know, I used to be called rich before I, before I was homeless. When I came out, I changed my name to Fresh. I wouldn't even let people call me rich. Wow. It was fresh. You know, like, I'm not that person anymore. Like, mm. I used to drink. I used to do coke all the time. I used to fuck all the time. I used to be a wild boy. I used to eat what I want. I didn't care. I was irresponsible. And I just, I put all that to the side. I just, like, that person is no longer, you know, we're going somewhere. We're going to go somewhere very quick. Here's my new identity. Here's how we operate. And um, So let's be clear, man, because I, I think this is important for people to know. This was when? This, this was 2018. So this is January. This, this is January January 2018. Because, you know, I told myself I would not be homeless by my birthday. And so my birthday, like the week before my birthday, I rented this little Airbnb. It was like $35 a night. It was a shitty little spot. Um, it was like a dining room. They had cardboard to cover up the entrance. It was a piece of shit, but it wasn't a shelter. Mm -hmm. And um, and after that, you know, like God made me a promise. He's like, you know, like honor your word, and you'll always have what you desire. You know, and and I just worked my ass off. And every time I was tested to do things, I just rose to the occasion. You know, I stopped eating meat. I stopped drinking. I stopped doing drugs. I stopped smoking cigarettes. And I went celibate all in the same day. Um, I was celibate for like four months. And then, you know, I, I do my thing every now and then. But, but that's a lot to I give up at one time, man. You went cold turkey on lot. everything. I became a totally new person. Like I had to completely shift and shock my being of who I was. I had to, you know, I had to stop dwelling in the flesh. I had to dwell in the spirit. I had to become a spirit person mm -hmm. just understand things in the spirit so I could hear the spirit more and just be guided in the right direction. And all like my success is just a matter of guidance. I hear guidance. Like I've, I don't watch TV. I don't listen to negativity. I'm guided and I just listen. I pay very close attention. When I'm told to do something by the spirit, I move in that direction and then always it always renders a result, you know, even with this mass brand, this is a culmination of the spirit moving me. Um, 
my brother and I, you know, <clears throat> I bought my factory last year. So my brother runs it. My brother runs production. So, you know, we had to stop production after this shit hit. And um, we were conflicted because we were like, damn, we got a lot of people that can't, that's not getting paid right now. That's kind of fucked up. And, you know, I wanted to build out this T-shirt line and do something to, to donate to families that were affected by COVID. Because there's a lot of people that's like, they're not in the mental space that I'm in where they can just create something that can make mm -hmm. money. Mm -hmm. They're really relying on something. When that's mm -hmm. taken, they're fucked. So I was in this space of wanting to do something for people. And um, we couldn't, you know, then I was, I, I, we hit this dilemma. We couldn't find masks for our employees. You know, we was like, damn. And I was like, shit, we can't, we can't get our hands on masks. I can make a mask. So I made a mask. <laughs> you know, I made a mask and I showed it I FaceTime a good friend of mine back in Memphis and I showed him. I was like, hey, man, remember I told you earlier I was going to make a mask and I just wanted to show it to you. And it was just like a regular surgical mask. It was black. He was like, oh, shit. That, look, that looks great, man. Let me see the other side of it. Yo, you made that? Yeah. I need them. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Uh, I need 500 of them. I was like, oh, shit. Okay. So, you know, me, me and my brother, my mom and my, and my niece, we went down to the shop and we made 500 masks. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we called, we called my um, shop assistant and he helped us out. And then by the time he got those, he ordered a thousand more. So like over the course of like a week, he ordered like 6,000 masks. And we were like, shit, we had to bring our staff back in and put them to work. And we were like, yes, like we're mm -hmm. able to put our staff back to work. That was the goal. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Um, you know, I was just, I felt, I felt convicted. I was like, yeah, but what are we doing with this? Like, are we just making surgical masks? Like, you know, I have an aesthetic. Like, I, I need to create something that's unique in the marketplace. And we need to have a way to give back. Like, there needs to be something about this that feels, it feels good to become successful in the process of doing this thing. You know, because this, this is a tough time. You know, so it's really... You know, like, you know, I'm out buying Maseratis and shit, you know, doing, you know, baller shit. I don't want to be one of those people that seems insensitive to what's going on. So it's mm -hmm. like, nah, while we're doing what we do. Well, even as things are going well for you, right? Because I, I, I think it's, I think there's an interesting thing going on, man, where um, people are beating themselves up for having done well. Yeah, and, like Survivor's Guild. And you had an amazing year. Yeah. Like your year was insane. Yeah. And, and, you know, you purchasing a new car in a lot of ways was you celebrating for yourself <laughs> this unbelievable year that you had, not you oh, trying yeah. to like, right? Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I, so I, I, I just, I, I think it's important to mention that because I think there's a lot of people who are telling themselves they can't complain because they got stuff. Right. And, and it's, it's a dangerous moment to, 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 un sure. We, we don't need to be excessive. We don't need to do too much. We don't need to, 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 um, to gloat and to be narcissists, but at the same time, um, being privileged in this moment is not you being the devil. And, yeah. and, 
there are a lot of people who are dealing with loss, even though they're privileged and telling themselves they can't mourn because they got more than somebody else. I, I've talked, I had, yeah. I had to talk to my kids. You know, we, we beat our kids up all the time. Like you ain't got no reason to complain about nothing. Uh, Cause you know, people over here have 10 times less than you. But in this moment, it's a little different right? because you know, yeah, you're privileged and, and where you live is great, but you really ain't graduating and, and your prom is really canceled and your first right. semester of college is probably canceled. And some of the stuff that you've invested in with your work, blood, sweat and tears isn't going to happen. And so I, I, I say all that to say, Fresh, that it's um, I, I think there's there's this moment for you where you say, I want to give back in the midst of this incredible blessing moment that i'm having and that's a lot of diff that's different than feeling guilty yeah well you know i mean i think that that, that helps to that helps one prevent themselves from feeling guilty it's like you know i'm doing something that's good you know i like to be celebratory you know what i'm saying like yeah i had a blockbuster year and i made a promise to myself um you know, like, I mean, I, I made multiple promises to myself throughout my career. Like, when I, when I came from my struggles, I promised myself that my first car would be a Maserati. I promised myself that. And I wouldn't buy nothing. I just waited until I could buy one, and I bought one. And I felt really good about it. And then, you know, God spoke to me one day and promised me that I would get, like, the truck. And it's just like, I have to be diligent. I have to move in a certain direction there's this thing that I want. You're going to get this thing you desire. And I got it two days after the day I was promised it, mm. you know, and it's like, you know, when you have so much and you do nothing to honor what's going on with other people, you, you should feel some kind of way. You know what I'm saying? Like if every day you just drive past people who lack and you just say, Ugh, you know, I'm glad I ain't them. Yeah, you know, the universe should frown on you, but mm -hmm. I want to make sure that we had something, you know, this is the thing that people need. Like, yeah, you know, we can get into the whole donate money thing, but that just gets confusing. Like, who are you donating the money to? Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I don't, I don't want to, like, we work too hard to get caught in some bullshit, but these are and masks. And clear about what people need. There's a need. Yeah, they need these and they can't get them. And we make amazing products that we stand behind. We don't give, like, you know, like the shitty product. Like, no, this is a good product. This is a market product. We want to donate these products to your facility. You know, like I got to fly to San people, Francisco. And, and for people who aren't familiar, for every mask you're selling. Yeah, you're giving, for every mask we sell, we donate one to, you know, frontline workers and just people who need them. Like we've donated to senior homes. Like there are senior homes and it's affecting the old people more than anything else. They didn't even have any masks. Mm -hmm. They ain't even got no mask. They ain't got no, they, like, they, they can't even help themselves. So we made sure that we supplied them with something. I'm flying to San Francisco next week. Uh, there are two hospitals that we're going to go and, and, and supply masks to. Uh, it's part of our mission. You know, like this is going to be here for a while. And while it's here, we're, we're making it just more socially acceptable to live in this space and wear a product that still feels like we're wearing our clothes. And at the same time, it's helping somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are people who need this shit, and they, they don't have the means to get a subscription. They can't, you know, spend $10 on a mask. 
And we just want to be in a position where we can we can get them out there to them too. Mm-hmm. You know? Let me ask you this, Matt, because because you um you, you say stuff real matter of fact. Um, so you you talked about being homeless, and then two seconds later, you're talking about a factory. So yeah. you've had this really interesting trajectory. Like I'm I'm interested for people who are just learning about the brand and following the brand. Like who was that person that took you over the hump? Because you're doing stuff for a little bit of everybody, but 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 normally there's this one person or set of people that like right. I ride with you, I believe with you, I'm rolling with you, and then other people respond to that person saying, "Fresh as that dude." Did you have that person, and who was it? Um, I did get those people later on. Like you know, again when I was first coming out of it. Um, you know, it was just a bunch of little hits. Like I was just little hits, little hits, little hits, little money here, little hits here, nothing real notable. And then I connected with this ball player and, um, my very first session, I did $50,000 in like one transaction. I was like, fuck. So that changed the way I viewed myself. I raised my prices after that. (laughs) Like, Like after that session, I raised my prices. I was like, yo, you in a different league. Um, and then, um, you know, I started, I started really like boosting myself up, just like showing fly shit, fly shit. And what I would do is I would bully people on the gram. Like I would bully stylists Mm. who I thought weren't doing, not that they weren't doing a great job, but I thought that they could do a better job, you know, or like, for instance, Kevin Hart stylists. I saw that, uh, Kevin Hart stylists has started following me. And I started following No, actually, that's bullshit. I put Kevin Hart's name on a whiteboard. I put Kevin Hart, John Legend, Puff Daddy, The Rock. I had all these names. And um, I've gotten halfway through this list. And so, Kevin, I went to go look for his stylist. I found his stylist. I started following her. I started commenting on her posts, you know, because she wasn't getting as many posts as Kevin get or comments. So I'm p- coming on, on her shit. So she's more likely to see it. So then she's going to see it. She'll like the fact that I commented. And then she might comment on my comment. The next thing you know, she's following me. Mm-hmm. The next thing you know, she's liking some of my posts. The next thing you know, she's commenting flames on some of my posts. Now it's time to, to infiltrate. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in the DM like, Hey, what's happening? Just wanted to reach out, say, what's up? Um, I love what you've been doing with Kevin. I really think I could be an asset to what you got going on. And I didn't get anything. I got, okay, yeah, sure, maybe one day. I was like, okay. So nothing. So more shit. I'm still hitting her like, hey, what's happening? Yo, love that look, blah, blah, blah. Then I get, I, I started feeling insulted because I didn't reach out to you too many times. <laughs> so now I start, I start um, critiquing your shit from a tailor's perspective. Nah. And so I started hitting her like, you know, I, I think that look would have looked much better had you done this. It looked altered because the jacket length was still a bit long, but I could tell it had been shortened because of the button position. <laughs> I could also tell because on the sleeves, the button really low. Like, I just hate the fact that Kevin, as wealthy as he is, has to look like he's in altered clothes when he can have something made just for him. I think he deserves that, don't you? You know, so I, I started fucking with a psychologist, you know, like I'm a, I'm a psychology person. And uh, 
Next thing you know, she 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 set a meeting. We met. She was like, "Oh, shit, this ain't cool. He cute." And um, we started doing something. And then, uh, you know, Kevin tagged me. Like, I don't ask people for tags. Yeah. I just expect it. It's good shit. If you was wearing Gucci, you tag them. Well, then tag Rich Fresh. This shit's dope. And so, you know, I think he he tagged. And then, um. I started and I did the same thing with John Legend stylist. I didn't have much to critique. I was just like, you do great work. Um, but I see you don't do any custom. You know, I think John would, would be great in some custom. And he was like, okay, let's give it a try. He started doing some stuff. John, John liked our experience and he did the entire last season of The Voice. Mm-hmm. Like everything he wore was rich, fresh. It was fucking amazing. <laughs> uh, and they all pay, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. They, pay, they, they pay full price. Um, and so he shouted me out. Like he did like a fucking commercial. Oh, wow. It was like, like, uh, for those of you who may have noticed, I'm wearing some real colorful suits. You know, I'm just with this new theme. Uh, my guy, his name is rich fresh. You know, he's in LA. He's fresh. y'all. Like, and he started, he just would keep shouting me out. It was like, yeah, I'm wearing my rich fresh today. And he would tag me and it was like, like, damn, John's really fucking with me. And so one day Kevin was like, I like that shit John been doing. John been shouting you out. Kevin's real competitive. He's like, all right, I want to top that shit. We got the premiere for Secret Life of Pets. I'm going to top that shit. Let's do some crazy shit. I'm like, what you want to do? He's like, I want you to do something for the whole family. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, even the baby? Even the fucking baby. I was like, okay. All right, let me put something together. And, you know, I put together some concepts, um, showed his stylist a few colors, and I went nuts. But like that type of stuff, you know, it's not necessarily someone like, you know what I mean? They ride with me for a certain period. Like I haven't done anything with Kevin all fucking, I haven't done anything with Kevin the past eight months, Mm -hmm. you know? So at at certain points, I mean, people's tastes change or stylist tastes change. I still do, you know, work with John. Well, Um, and a lot of times you, you, you've gotten them with so many pieces. Right. They, they rich, fresh, full. (laughs) Right, <laughs> you gotta be, you gotta be respectful. Um, but you know, I mean, I think it's just, I think the consistency, like people seeing in this industry, the way you operate with one is how you operate with all. Mm-hmm. So if you showed up and you did good work for this celebrity, I can call and talk to his people, and they say, they can say good shit about you. Okay, it's it's not a lot of people that can do that out here. I need someone that can get this done for me in a week. Mm-hmm. It's not going to bullshit and waste my time. Mm-hmm. I've heard great things about you. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a vetting thing. And I just got really well situated where it's just a name. Like people know if it's rich, fresh, like it's going to get done. It's going to get done in a very short period of time if need be. And it's going to be what it, and you're going to make somebody's best dress less. Guaranteed. Yeah. I, um, I, I will <laughs> speak from personal validation that that, that is true. Yeah. Listen, listen, because when I showed up at the giant, Brother, they was taking pictures of me like, like I was I was on a red carpet. They like, where you get that? At? <laughs> Straight up, as they should. Fresh. I mean, everything I put my hands to, like, God bless it. Everything I put my, you know, Henry Mask again. Like, I sat down on this couch with my brother. I was frustrated because I didn't like the fact that we were just making surgical masks, and I wanted to do something that had a proprietary shape. And I took a piece of paper and just started folding it. Three minutes later, I had the shape. Mm-hmm. Five minutes later, I had made a mask. I told Vogue 
about it on this interview the next day. Like me and my brother, we just stayed up that night talking about what it could be. And I told Vogue about it the next day. And Vogue said, oh, wow, what's it called? I said, it's called Henry Mask. I told him all about it, gave him the URL. I didn't know when the story would drop. She said the story was going to drop in three days. I said, shit. <laughs> you know, fuck. Well, we got to build this out now. So over the weekend, we built out a website. I had to build out the samples. Mm-hmm. We built out a website. We had to come up with the concept, develop the subscription model. We had two days to do all this. We got a thousand subscribers in our first month. Wow. In our very first month, we got a thousand subscribers with like no huge push with just us putting that up there, saying what we intended to do, doing just that, delivering a good product. And the business is growing by leaps and bounds every day, man. It's just like it's it's insane how how it's insane how how well things are moving. But it's just again to that point, like you know, and God told me like I would never worry about money. He told me I would never worry about money. I've never had a day, even you know I, after after everything happened, you know, like I have a, an expensive lifestyle, you know, um, and it's like oh shit, you know, things are kind of slow down with Rich Fresh, you know, what's gonna happen? I never had a moment of worry, mm-hmm. of like oh shit, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I was just like. You know, you told me that I wasn't going to worry about it, so I'm not worried about it. I'm just waiting until you tell me what's next. You know, I'm just sitting here, I'm posted up, I'm going to be patient and diligent, and when you tell me what's next, it's go time. And, you know, when he, when he put the mask on us, it's like, well, it serves a purpose, and we're building out a business, you know what I'm saying? People can't work right now, we're providing jobs. We've hired 15 new people wow, on top for, the, for just the mask business. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, man, you know, like God is really showing, showing a, a great deal of favor um, in everything that we do. So, man, listen, you, you, you are, you're killing the business. I mean, you were doing incredibly well prior to, to COVID. You've pivoted here. But, you know, you're daddy, too. And, yeah. and so you, you've got, you know, th- th- there aren't a lot of dads that I know that can say, at any point in time, they've been single dads. And so right. not only have, have a point in time you've been a single dad, but just navigating your daughter's growth. Like, what, what, it, what kind of dad are you? Because like people, uh, people, people, people look at how you are on the gram and how you are as a business person and, and, a, and an entrepreneur. But, but most dads I know, while they're the same person... <laughs> who they are as dad at the house is very different than who they are everywhere else. Okay. Um, well, I'm honestly, I'm pretty much the same person. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't change up too much. Like I, 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 I figured out one day that the easiest way for me to live was to be genuine, was to find my genuine self and just always stay there. Um, um, and so as a parent, you know, like my daughter knows I smoke weed, you know, like I, you know, she knows I, she, she watches my fuck Monday. She gives me crap about it, but she knows who I am. And she's 14. Um, right? She's 14. You know, she, she knows that I'm, she knows that I'm disciplined. 
And so she understands like the way my brain works. She understands what I do and she, and she, and she understands that I expect certain things from her. You know, I'm a real, um, I'm a disciplinarian in a different sense. Um, you know, like right now she's living with her mother in New York and you know, the expectation is different. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I expect my daughter to always work on herself, to always build herself, you know, to not be comfortable being, you know, a lesser version because it's easy, you know, and she knows that I'm never going to be content with her taking the easy road. She knows that that's who she's been blessed with as a father. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, there's a nurturing sense that I have because I raised her for so long that she and I just have a bond, you know, um, you know, I mean, this kid is like, you know, the most important thing in the world to me. And so we have this bond and, you know, she knows what it is because she knows it for a long time. It was just me and her. So she knows that, that we got something that's very different. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's almost like, you know, because I, I was young and she was young. And so it was almost like we grew up together. Mm -hmm. So even now, you know, we have a certain type of relationship where, you know, there is a camaraderie, but there's still the respect. You know, she definitely knows that this is daddy. She knows if she pissed me off, you know what I'm saying? I know if I piss her off, like there's, there's just a level of mutual respect. I respect her as a person. And as my daughter, she respects me as a person and she respects me as a dad. So, you know. But you're, so, you're, such, a, you're such a visionary in everything else. What, what's your vision for yourself as a dad? As you, I mean, you, you, you like clearly are projecting what you want for the company. And, and I can't imagine that that's different for you as a father. What, what's your vision for you? Who, who's, who are you as a dad? Who do you want to be as a dad in this, in this next phase of life? So as a dad, I'm the guy, I'm the guy that, that teaches her what it really is. You know, she's in a um, she's in a comfortable environment. You know what I'm saying? Like she's cool. She's in New York, but she's not in an environment where where they're gonna teach her what it is, mm. what this life is really about, what this world is really about, the powers that you really have, your abilities, and how you can manifest them in this universe. You know, to your betterment and the betterment of other people. What is life about? It's not about just little silly, superficial bullshit that you waste time doing all day is about more of this instead, you know? So to just like really expose her to life, like it took me a lot of trials and pain to discover what I view as the truth in life, mm -hmm. you know, the zest in life, the joy in life. Like why is every day beautiful? Because you get to a point where your sense of gratitude just opens up and you realize that every day is beautiful and you can exist as your optimal self because of being in that place, you know? And, and, and they're just things that she has to learn from like a cosmic being that she's not going to learn from anyone else, you know? Mm -hmm. So I really see myself being that, you know, like I, I, I want to make sure, you know, as successful as I am as, and as I will become, this is not a, a Daddy gonna give you everything. You ain't gotta worry about nothing. Daddy got you. This ain't one of them. I ain't one of them daddies. I'm one of them daddies that I'll teach you how to get it for yourself. 
And then I expect you to put that into practice, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I want to show her how to harness her abilities and have a good life. Like learn how to like a lot of people work to pay bills. You know what I'm saying? They don't do what they love doing. They do what pays their bills. I have found a way to do what I love doing every single day. And I have a great life, a much better life than I had when I was doing the contrary. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But most people don't think that, 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 that it's like that. So I want to show well, her. The transformation has been quick. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 yeah. Not, and, and I, hate, I, hate, I hate that even coming out of my mouth the way I just said it. Because quick sometimes implies that the work wasn't there. You worked your ass off. Um, but the but the transition from homeless to on top of the hill literally was a very short amount of time um compared to 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 others and and i think i think the testament is you you literally made a decision that your life was going to not be kind of different you literally made a decision that your life was going to be totally different and you honored that decision and the universe Absolutely. responded and God honored it. Absolutely. And that sounds simple as, as I mean, it sounds almost overly simplistic, but, but it's real. But it is though. It's real. It is. And it's so simple. People, people overcomplicate it. It's just as simple as having a vision for yourself and sticking to that because like people don't understand. Okay. Let's say for instance, you say, you know, I want to be um, a world renowned painter. Okay, cool. Take that to the universe. Take that to God. God, I want to be a world-renowned painter. I want to travel the world. I want to do this, that, and the other. I want to have write-ups and all the big papers. I want to. I want my paintings to go for you know hundreds of thousands of dollars. Okay, cool. Get to work. Now, what's going to happen is, see, everybody plays a lottery. How many people win? One. Um, everybody wants to get rich, but no one's willing to do the work. They'd rather play the lottery. So, how the universe works is. It, it, everybody will say, if you, if you take a room full of people, you ask everyone in this room, hey, how's everyone in this room doing? Good. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to ask everyone a question. Okay. Who in here wants to be rich? Everybody's hand going to go up. Guaranteed. Now you say, okay, who's willing to do all the fucking work it takes to get there? Staying up 18, 20 hour days, mm-hmm. being broke, sleeping in your car being lied on, being cheated, having to eat pork and beans. I remember pork and beans, bro. Yeah. I remember that, how I had to eat hot dogs, fucking canned beans, and corn. Yeah, mine that's was how I, bro, that's how I had to eat, man. Like, for a long time. But people are not willing to do that. So the universe puts these things called tests in there. I want to be the world without artist, but I'm going to put someone in your place in front of you that's going to say you're not good enough. It'll take too long. You should just do this instead. Mm-hmm. Or someone that's going to say, oh, hell no. I would never pay that much for that. Because I need to see if you're really the person that's suited for it. You know what I'm saying? And this is just a matter of like having the inner fortitude and just this, this inner voice that's so attached to this vision. It's so attached to this vision that it's worth dying for I would rather, I would rather die than live like that. I would rather die in pursuit of this than to live like that. 
I cannot live life unless I can live it like this. I just can't fucking do it. And when it gets like that, the universe will present no other option but for you to have that thing that you desire. And the beauty about what you just said is you, you don't even have to deal with dying because you're choosing life. Absolutely. Like you are Absolutely. choosing to live your highest self. Absolutely. And that's beautiful. Man, that's Absolutely. a, that's a let, let me ask you this before we get out of here. How do you define joy? Joy. Um, I define joy. And, and I'm, I'm asking you fresh because of a lot of the people who I know, I feel like when I'm around you, when I see you, that you just walking in it. Mm-hmm. All the time, man. Um, you know, joy is just a consistent appreciation. You know, it's just being consistently appreciative for what you've been blessed with. Um, someone cuts you off in traffic. I don't hit the horn. Bitch, watch where the fuck you. I don't do that. But I know people who do that. Mm-hmm. It's not in me to do that. I have too much joy. I'm just going to let you in. Apparently, you're in a hurry. You need to get there faster than me. I have too much joy to go there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have a, a, a hard day at work or whatever the case may be. I'm driving home with the windows down. I want to hear the air. I want to hear the breeze. I want to look at the trees. I just, I have a consistent appreciation for everything I've been blessed with, even the trials. That's the thing I was talking about the uh, earlier. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for even the trials because they gave me the strength to remain and maintain. If I didn't go through these trials, like I didn't, I wouldn't be able to summon the universe. I wouldn't have the power and the strength to do what I do to maintain the way I live, the way I operate, the businesses that I run. I don't have no investors. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't take out bank loans to pay payroll. This all comes out of sales and profit, my ability to go out there and generate what I need. And had I not gone through my trials, I wouldn't have that. So I'm just the most grateful person ever, you know, because shit, man, this universe is smiling. Like, and I know, I know the power that I have in this universe. You know, I've discovered the power I have in this universe. Dude, I ain't got nothing but joy in me, man. Oh, that's Straight up. So, bro, man, I appreciate you coming through. This was uh, fantastic, man. And, and I'm hoping that there's a lot of brothers that, that see themselves in you um, because there's a whole lot of cats that, that's in the shelter right now. And it may be a for real shelter. It may be a, a proverbial shelter, just not knowing what the next piece is. Um, and they can't sleep because the noise is so loud that they just can't do it and they figuring out what's the stuff I'm putting in my ears. What's the stuff I'm feeding myself uh, to be able to figure out what the next vision is going to be. And I know that there's a number of brothers right now just saying, thank you for giving a little bit of a blueprint of not making it more complicated than it is because there, there is a higher state of living that every brother has the ability to choose the question just is, will we choose it or not? Straight up. It's all it's all in our choices and our ability to sacrifice. You know, I, I, I'll close on this note. 
the one the one big lesson that I took away from my transformation was that the universe operates in transactions. You know what I'm saying? Like we pray and we're we're taught to pray and ask God for things. And then we do nothing. Mm. We pray, we ask God for things, and we go to sleep and get up in the morning. We're like, well, dang, God, you didn't give it to me. And I was like, well, you ain't do nothing yet. I mean, I thought this was I thought this was, was an arrangement. You know what I'm saying? And so I realized that this is an arrangement. Like, I can go to God and literally ask him for anything. And I've asked him for dollar amounts. I've been so specific in the things that I've asked for. And God will just reply, what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to give in exchange for this? What are you willing to do, you know, to honor this? And so, you know, I think a lot of us just have to realize that, like, that's really what it is. Like, determine what you want in life and then just be willing to make whatever sacrifices are necessary. That means you got to turn off the TV if God convicts you and says, hey, you entertain yourself too much to want to get some money and you ain't got no money. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to turn off that TV, if you're not willing to make that sacrifice, then you're not willing to have the, the glory. You're not fit for the glory if you're not willing to make the sacrifice. So, you know, that's a huge takeaway. I hope anyone who's listening has listened to this point. But if you ask the universe for, just be willing to give up something in return and honor it, you know? Simple life truth. My man, um, we got to do this again. So I appreciate Absolutely. you, man. I'm, uh, I'm, you know I'm excited about, about Henry Masks. Uh, but more than that, man, I'm just excited about you, bro. I'm excited about what this next evolution is. Um, th- there's some there's some people who are coming out of this moment on mm-hmm. a whole nother level of of living. Right. And those are the people I'm excited about connecting with because we feed each other in that way. And so, brother, yeah. I appreciate you, man. Bro, I appreciate you, man. Look, anytime, man, you already know. I'm just a phone call away. There it is. All right, brother. My man. Yo, thanks for listening to Men Thrive. Did you like us? If you like us, visit your go-to podcast provider and check out other episodes. You can also go deeper by joining our community at menthrive.com. 